It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Boy, Nugent Hopkins to win it between circles, shoots and scores. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Hey, this is pretty cool. One of my favorite baseball players of all time, Vladimir Guerrero, has been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 16 years in the bigs, eight of them with the Expos. How about these numbers? 318 career batting average, 449 homers. Of course, he was a AL MVP after going to the Angels. Montreal never kept all of their good players for their entire careers, as I'm sure you know. Also elected today, Chipper Jones. All 19 years in his career with the Atlanta Braves, 468 homers for him, a 303 batting average. Jim Tomey, eighth all-time in homers with 612, 22 years spread over six teams. And Trevor Hoffman elected as well, 601 saves for him, second all-time to Mariano Rivera. Uh, uh, Mariano Rivera. <laughs> Mariano Rivera. He goes into the Hall of Fame as well. That'll be July 29th for the actual ceremony. Those are the only four guys getting in. They have to be named on 75% of the ballots. Another former Expo and a Canadian, Larry Walker, in his eighth year of eligibility for the Hall, 34.1% of the ballots. He only has two years left. You can be on the ballot for 10 years, then you drop off. A little bit of fun note from baseball today. Vlad Guerrero, that guy could hit the ball. Remember, sometimes he would hit it like after it bounced or like eye high, he would still swing at it. He just wanted to crush the ball. He was always fun to watch. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. You know what wasn't fun to watch? Bristol on and across. Eichel shoots and scores. 4-0 Buffalo. Eichel, left circle. Hooks the pass down low. Wrist shot score. O'Reilly blew it right past Al Montoy. And it's 5-0 Buffalo. And the Sabres are a perfect 3-for-3 three three on the power play. Horrendous. The penalty kill was, was horrendous. Guys not doing their jobs, uh, reacting slow. And the power play did nothing to create any momentum for us in the game. Well... That's fair. Absolutely horrendous. Special teams, terrible. And the Oilers are unable to play well for longer than four games. I'm comfortable saying that into the season, uh, 48 games into the season. They can't play well for more than four games at a time. That's their absolute maximum. They won four games in a row right before Christmas. 
They had won three in a row before last night, and and I still think played a pretty good game a couple of weeks ago when they lost 2-1 in Nashville. Obviously had that uh, microscopic offside review that cost them the tying goal. And then last night, a complete and total stinker against the Buffalo Sabres, where at times... The Oilers didn't even really look like they were on the ice or they were that interested in the game at all. One clip in particular, very, very surprising after the game. I don't think uh, we had enough respect for this hockey team and ended up biting us. So it's unfortunate because we were ready to play coming out of the break uh, against the Vancouver club and uh, we didn't have the same mentality or mindset at all here tonight. So um, that's what happens, like I said, when you... When you when you uh, are ready to, to play the other team, no matter who it is or where they are in the standings, just gonna play that again. I don't think uh, we had enough respect for this hockey team, and ended up biting us. So it's unfortunate because we were ready to play coming out of the break uh, against the Vancouver club, and uh, we didn't have the same mentality or mindset at all here tonight. So. Um, that's what happens, like I said, when you when you when you uh, are ready to, to play the other team, no matter who it is or where they are in the standings. All right, so that was Milan Lucic's summary after the game. Uh, I, I know he was a hot topic on overtime open line last night when Rob and I talked to many of you. Though I, I don't think he was alone in compla- in playing a completely lackluster game. You know that that is just that is just surprising, and that's more evidence of what we've seen about the Oilers this season that that they would come out uh, and basically take the Buffalo Sabers lightly which is a formula to lose in any pro league, I think, and especially a formula to lose where, like Buffalo, you are also one of the six worst teams in the NHL based on this year's record. And the whole, all the cliches about anybody can beat any, anybody uh, do apply. But when the good teams take the game seriously and respect their opponents and maintain consistent standards, uh, they tend to do well against the teams that have inferior talent. I mean, I'll use the extreme example here of the uh, best pro sports team over the last two decades. Well, I guess you could throw the Spurs in there too, but certainly the New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, they win a lot of close games, and they're going to be re- remembered for the close games they've won and the comebacks, like what happened on Sunday, like what happened in last year's Super Bowl. But they also uh, blow a lot of teams out or have a lot of games well in hand by what, halftime, midway through the third quarter? Because they have consistent standards that they play to and they hold themselves to, and they don't think, well, we got it. We, we played really hard and we beat Vegas. So that was good. So Buffalo's not as good. They're maybe 60% as good as Vegas, so we'll play 61% as hard as we did against Vegas, and we should be able to beat Buffalo. That That's Pretty much what you got out of the Oilers last night, though I, I would argue I'm using 60% as an arbitrary number because I, I don't think uh, their performance was anywhere near that standard. So that's a, that's a tough one. That was, that was a real tough one last night. That was the worst game of the year, and there are several candidates. So the three-game winning streak down the tubes and uh, playoff hopes as you know have been extremely dim for the last several weeks 
well, the playoff hopes have quite frankly been dim since they started the season one and four. But I mean, they're not getting in. They, 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 the, let's, the Oilers could go 15 and five over the next 20 games and still be five to nine points out of the playoffs. So, you know, let's not fool ourselves. I hope they do well. I hope they win a lot. I, I hope they're able to figure things out con- consistently because despite the changes to the roster, there still are a lot of players that more was expected of, maybe in some cases unreasonably, but I think in some cases it was reasonable to say a player would be doing better than he has been. And and they've had this, and, and Bob and I have talked about it, Rob and I have talked about it, uh, I mean, Rob and I have flat out come out and called it an arrogance. You know, Bob has said the Oilers seem to think that they're better than they are. And I think Lucic's comment indicates uh, that again from last night. So now you got to play the Calgary Flames where the Oilers have actually had success in this series against the Flames. They've won six straight, but it's going to have to be a lot more determined effort to get by Calgary. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. You walk your name onto that ice every night. Uh, you represent your family. You represent your, your, um, you know, your world. And you have to do that at a very high level while you're entertaining. And, and the people here in Edmonton want to see uh, a competitive group. Um, that's the type of community we are. We, we, we scrape and we scratch and we claw and we, uh, we survive. That's at least how I felt um, here in Edmonton in my time. And, and they want to see it on the ice, and it's our job to deliver it. All right, so they keep searching from that. McClellan and the coaching staff continues to search, and uh, he was asked today about the multitude of problems that have plagued the team this season. That's been our task all year is to identify areas that need... Uh, uh, work adjustment. Uh, we put the time in preparing pre-practice. We put the time in on the ice, and we hope that the results show up in the game. And um, you address some of those areas, Jonesy. Goal. I think you said goaltending, power play, penalty kills, all special teams. Uh, anything to do with five-on-five play. Um, you know, we're we're obviously not where we want to be, but we're just like any other team in the league when we uh, when we analyze our game and we try and open up the hood to the car and fix it. And uh, that's what we've been doing um, relentlessly over the last little bit. Uh, there are results at times that show it's happening, and then there's other days where the engine just falls apart, and last night was that, that night. Well, no doubt the engine fell apart, and yeah, there are times parts of the engine have been running pretty well, other parts of the engine have been sputtering all year long, especially the special teams. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along tonight. We have comments from Patrick Maroon and Zach Cassian, more from Todd McClellan. The line combinations were interesting today, though I don't know if they'll actually be used in tomorrow's game. Your Oilers update for Niskew Ford. Every model on sale every day. Niskew Ford above expectations. You can text 630-630. The open line is 780-496-0063. We have a scoreboard update on the way as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Mike Riley from the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chat. So, just two games in the NHL tonight: Chicago and Toronto. About five minutes in, no score. Later on tonight, the Kings play the Flames, and then the Flames are here tomorrow to take on the Oilers. It'll be a 5:30 face-off show here on 6:30. Ched, the game will start at seven. Jonathan Quick, 
not going to go into the All-Star game because of a nagging injury, so he'll have to miss the Kings' final game before the All-Star break or the first one after. Mike Smith is going to take his spot. Braden Point, by the way, replacing Victor Hedman off the Tampa Bay roster. Brad Marchand, a five-game suspension for that elbow of New Jersey's Marcus Johansson. Sixth suspension for Marchand since March of 2011. 19 total games. He's lost over $870,000 in salary. Okay. He is, uh, well, he'd be one of the dirtiest players in the league. I don't know if he'd be the absolute dirtiest, but he'd be on a short list for me. My name is Reed Wilkins. So Chicago just scored. They're up one nothing on Toronto. Inside Sports on 630. Chad, again, if you want to interact, 780 496 you can text 630-630. Here were the lines that Oilers practiced today. And again, I want to emphasize th- these may not be the lines for tomorrow. This may just be McClellan saying, I, I don't care who you are. I will I will move you around and give anybody a chance with anybody until we all start playing a little better. McDavid was centering Kajula and Slepeshev. Strom was centering Maroon and Cassian. I say those two lines first because based on jersey colors, those were the top two lines. What the Oilers do at most practices is the top two lines wear blue jerseys and the third and fourth lines and any extra forwards usually wear white jerseys. Now, sometimes they might put a seventh forward on one of the top two lines. Then it was Latestu, Kara, and Pugliarvi. And then it was Dreisaitl. With Pakarinen and Camilleri and Lucic were rotating on the left side, being treated as the 12th, 13th forwards. Now, Camilleri didn't play last night, and uh, Lucic had uh, had a bad game, though, though, again, he wasn't alone in that. So that's how they lined up today. Will they stick with that tomorrow for the game? Uh, I personally tend to doubt it, but I think that's... Uh, a, a little bit of message sending there by McClellan saying that if, if you play like a 12 or 13th forward, uh, you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore if you're a veteran. You'll be treated that way at least the next day at practice. So we'll see what happens for the morning skate tomorrow. Uh, a lot of players obviously talking today. Patrick Maroon trying to stay positive despite the poor play last night. You start making plays you're not, you're not supposed to be making and you're not doing the little things that got you where you are to right now and I feel like we're not doing that so I think it's we are hard on ourselves we gotta we gotta get out of that and just be positive and put a smile on your face and you know the sun came up today and we gotta find ways to just get out of it you know this is a good hockey team we have a good team in here everyone talks about what a good group here we have and how close we are we just gotta find ways to come out of it together and have have fun again I think like you said Ryan we're, we're hard on ourselves right now and I think it's because we know we can put a better effort in. I think our record should be a lot better than it is, and guys are a little frustrated right now at this point. So I hope, you know, just got to look around the room, like I said, pat each other on the back and find ways to pick each other up and move forward. You know, this is a game of mistakes. Uh, every job is a game of mistakes. So I think for us, we can't look at the negatives. we got to find ways of positive, 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 and just bring it in the head. So I believe in this group. Connor believes in this group. Uh, Everyone else believes in this group, so I think we're going to get out of this. I think we're hopefully can go on a little run here and, and pick this negativity up and bring it into pauses and stop everyone being hard on themselves. And, but that, we're not trying to find excuses. You know, I, I think we're hard on ourselves because 
because we want better for each individual and as a team too. So hopefully we can get out of this. Like I said, we have a big game against Calgary and got to put a smile again, bring that energy. We didn't have any energy or passion last night, I felt like. So hopefully we can bring that against Calgary. Well, it didn't look like they had any energy or passion last night either. That's Patrick Maroon. Percy has called into the show. Hello, Percy. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, I imagine after, you could probably get a lot more calls when uh, things aren't going well, but I just wanted to make a, uh, a point regarding our, our defense. And the goals that were scored on the power play were right in front of our net. I don't know what you saw, Reed, but basically when you're trying to cover a forward, uh, a guy that can put put in the net like uh, Ryan O'Reilly can him. He's a big, strong player. I mean, you got to be able to battle with him. And he got two really nice goals right in front of our net. Now, you know, I'm every everybody's blaming our forwards, but I really, really starts with uh, our defense. Is would you say that? Well, I mean, I think each individual goal is different. I, I, I One of O'Reilly's goals was on the power play where the Oilers continually get out of position where they turn the wrong way. They don't read the plays well enough. They don't get their sticks in the passing lanes. The other goal, he outbattled Puglia-Yarvi. Hopefully that's one Puglia-Yarvi learns from. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of the goals against, it's been a, a variety. Talbot has not been good enough. Uh, yeah. There are too many. There have also been too many goals where the defense has failed, and there there are forwards who don't read plays. And Rob and I talked about the one last night. Larson pinched, and and look, the, there have been defensemen who've made ill-timed pinches this year. Larson pinched and tied his guy up. So there's plenty of time for I think it was Maroon for, to get back there and fill the hole, and he stays right. in an offensive position instead of getting responsibly. I mean, these are things that guys know what to do, and they're just totally cramping or or getting jittery and and not doing them. I mean, yes, some some of the defensemen have not played good enough. Really, Nurse has been the only uh, huge positive on, on defense, but I just think when they're doing this bad, there's a lot of team-wide failures in a lot of areas. Well, when I watch the games, uh, our defense, uh, there's not anybody really. When Adam Larson came, it was sort of a, he was going to be the the shutdown D that that we always wanted after trading him for Hall, but uh, Nurse has been a bright spot. Adam Larson's is starting to come on, but if you look at Sekra, Clefbaum, and uh, you know Benning, he's a rookie. You can't expect him to be holding court. Um, and I think that uh, Sekra and Clefbaum uh, haven't haven't really played well, and that's caused a lot of grief too. Yep. We don't really have any defensemen that are really Taking taking the body and taking people out and being tough in front of our net. That's what I'm seeing anyway. Appreciate it, Percy. Nathan is up next on the open line. It's six twenty-seven. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. Brent Seabrook with the goal for Chicago, just his third of the season. 
They lead the Maple Leafs 1-0 with six and a half minutes left in the first period. Kings and Flames coming up later on tonight at Rogers Place in about half an hour. The Edmonton Oil Kings will be taking on the Medicine Hat Tigers. A little bit of uh, Eskimos news today. They have re-signed defensive back Neil King through the 2019 season. So a two-year extension for Neil King. My name is Reed Wilkins. Oh, and Tyler Henry, who we've had on the show, you have a Golden Bear receiver. He has uh, signed with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Remember Ed Ilnicki, heck, Crichton winner from the Golden Bears, signed with Ottawa a couple of weeks ago. Now Tyler Henry signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So exciting times for those two Golden Bear grads. Before I get to Nathan and Jim on the phone line, uh, this is uh, perhaps the craziest of all the crazy stats the Oilers have had this year. Home penalty killing, 54.2%, last in the league. Road penalty killing, 86.6%, now first in the league. The total of 71.4 still has them last in the NHL. But how about that? The Edmonton Oilers have the best road penalty killing in the NHL, and uh, they are a distant last on the road. Head coach Todd McClellan was asked if he's ever experienced that kind of discrepancy in his career. Never, and that's why there's nothing you can turn to as far as history or uh, experience and uh, try and uh, refer back to it. We're, we're going through uncharted territories, and, and not only are our numbers you know, the, the difference between 1 and 31 or 2 and 31 or whatever we are right now. Uh, but the, the sheer gap between home and, and road, um, you know, 35%. So it leaves you um, befuddled. I think you used that word or confused a little bit uh, because what we're doing on the road is, is extremely effective. And what we're doing at home is non-effective. And we're supposed to be doing the same thing in, in each of the spots. On a lighter note, uh, befuddled is an underused word. I think we should all start using that in sentences with our colleagues and families. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got Nathan on the line. Hello, Nathan. Hey, Reed. Thanks for taking my call, bud. No problem. I'm not going to ask how you're doing because I can hear it in your voice. You feel like the rest of us fans that have been dealing with this garbage for 11 years, basically. So... Um, you know what? I, I actually called um, as soon as uh, as soon as you finished up with uh, Patty Maroon's um, post game. Um, you know what? I'll watch my language, but it, it pisses me off. It really does. That's uh, sorry. The the, that, the, Lu- the Lucic clip or the Maroon one? No, no, the Maroon with the whole positivity. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that was from today you know, after practice. Yeah, no problem. Oh, yeah, okay, go ahead. Whatever sorry. it was. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, you know what? That just really. And we lost him. Where'd he go? Get Nathan back on the line. Here. He was he was just getting going. See if we can get him back. Kellen's we uh, his phone cut out. Do we have him again? Nathan, yeah, that I'm was here. okay. Go keep going. Keep going. You cut yeah, out there for sorry. a second. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, you know what that we've got a we've got a coach or you know what, there's a there's a coach three hundred clicks down the highway to the south and he's chucking sticks in the stands during practice because he's had enough. And that was at a point in time where the his team was doing far better than ours. And I, like do you think he's sitting there being positive and using a bunch of fluff? Our coach is using words like befuddled and uh, outrageous and horrific and now talking about car parts. Like, it's ridiculous. I, I, I'm just, I'm so fed up. 
I guess ultimately what I'd like to hear is I'd like to see or hear somebody stand up and say, you know what, enough of this positive fluff crap. Um, we're obviously not as good as we've been told uh, because everybody's in their ear and in their faces telling them how great they are. And, and uh, you know what, it's time for these guys to hold some, some meetings and be accountable and start pointing fingers and leave the positivity for a win. Not, not the crap that people paid good money to see last night. Well, the one thing that I have found a little frustrating, and it hasn't been from everybody, Nathan, I don't know how often you listen to the show. Do you, do you remember in November, Connor McDavid said we have a lot of time to get it going, and on the same day Mark Letesti did an interview he said we, saying we don't actually have that much time, like Absolutely. we're falling behind. Absolutely. I, like I think some of, some of the players... Might and I'm not like I'm not saying there's dissension or anything. I just think there might be players at different points in their lives and careers. Yeah, and yeah, some, you know what? Actually, sorry, go ahead, Reed. Well, I was just gonna say that some guys might be like, uh, you don't really have 82 games to figure it out, and if you play well in the 82nd game, you get in the playoffs. Like you can f- be out of it pretty, pretty quick, right? Like they don't have a lot of time. Like 34 they, games, they, given where they are, they they don't have any time. Absolutely not. No, um, you know what? That was a that was a little surprising. I mean, I kind of understood where Connor was coming from. I mean, that was as positive, really, as you should have kept it by keeping in that somewhat light. But you know what? I, I just wanted to say one last thing, and it, and and it's amazing that you actually go to that because my next point was I don't believe in rumors. Um, uh, I'm not I'm not about to say something that is from a friend's girlfriend's cousin who just immigrated here or immigrated here from Lebanon or something. Good. Good. Like I, I'm. I'm getting I'm getting this from somebody in the organization. Uh, I'm obviously not going to say any names, but there there are three clicks. There are three clicks in that dressing room. It's broken up into three, and it's very evident. You have the veterans who stick to themselves. You've got the generational talent rookies, and and their close click, and then you've got everybody else. Now, in any winning organization, you don't have that. You've got you've got a cohesive group, and it's a 23-man 20, unit, and everybody's working towards the same goal. But these guys are broken up into three. And, and from what I understand, uh, and I was told by somebody who uh, uh, is very close to the organization that this is uh, not only uh, in the dressing room, uh, but it's, it's more so off the ice as well. So what does that build? So that's why you've got this discrepancy between a Letestu comment and Connor's comment. Nathan, I appreciate your call, buddy. Talk to you again, okay? Thanks, uh, thank you. 780-496-0063. Talking about the Edmonton Oilers who will host Calgary tomorrow. And a lot of trends have uh, continued for the Oilers this season, such as never being able to play well for more than four games and a continually bad penalty kill. So you hope uh, another trend will continue tomorrow, and that is beating Calgary, which they have done six times in a row and scored five or more goals in four of those games. Uh, Just really weird stuff with Edmonton this year. We have Jim on the line as well. Hello, Jim. Reed, I'm befuddled. I don't blame you. Reed, it's, it's, you know, I don't know who told these guys they were great. That was last year. They did really good last year. But we also know that every year things change, and there's no guarantee you have to earn from it. And from day one, I don't think the Oilers really took, took it seriously. could just show up, and they'd be wonderful again. I'm not blaming the coach. I'm blaming the GM. Uh, the amount of players 
the amount of changes we made, I don't know if they're all for the right reasons, but the amount of changes we made were drastic, broke the chemistry that we had last year. And you just can't throw a person in there and figure that the chemistry is just going to be continuous. They have to work their way in. So I don't, I don't blame the coach. I blame the GM. Um, you know, and, and, and the sidestep here, bringing Paul Coffey back, I'm sorry, uh, who else are we going to bring back? Glenn Anderson? Reed, can you tell me why I went to my very first game and from the outside of the, the Rogers place you can see the Hockey Oilers Hall of Fame, but you can't get in there with a regular ticket? Well, I do know why, but you won't like the answer. Well, no, because we don't pay. We don't pay I, enough. Because I have asked about it. Yeah, we don't pay enough. Only the elite get to go in there. Does anybody get get to go in there? I thought there was the odd tour, but I don't think a ticket gets you in. Well, I don't know. I saw people at the elevator the night that I went in on the Los Angeles game. They were inside. Okay, like in but that I mean, actual hall room. Yep, and I think it's really sad because you know we built that for the owner. And that, that belongs to the fans. It doesn't belong to the elite. What was the reason that you were given? The, how it was explained to me was that that room was a last-minute addition. Uh, and so they it wound up being in a secure area because you have to have a pass and everything to get in there. Like I got to yeah, go through, well, sec- I got to go through security. Every, I, I get, I'm not complaining, but I get, I get searched every day I go into the rink. Yep. And so that is in that secure area. So I, the, I haven't asked anybody for a long time. They wanted to figure out a way to do tours, which they should, even if it was with a game ticket or a toonie that goes to charity or something. But I, I don't think that's been happening, obviously. But well, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know what your connection is to the team being in twenty seventh place or whatever. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, we're 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 finished. We're done. I mean, last night was to me was the game. If you would have won it, and then won Calgary, we're seven points behind. We have a chance. Yep. Even if we win tomorrow night, we're nine. I'm sorry, this team is not consistent enough. No, they aren't at all. No, that's the that's oh. the number one problem for sure. Yeah, but I still think that the amount of changes we made were drastic. The chemistry is not like it was last year, and there's going to be major changes uh, uh, for next year. There has to be. All right, see you, Jim. Take care, Reed. That is Jim seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brian and Ross coming up next. We'll take a quick timeout at six forty four. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, Will texting in. He says, Reed, if the clicks are as Nathan says, why was it Maroon, Talbot, Cassian, and McDavid were in Cabo together? Uh, which they were. Uh, yeah. I, I don't hang around the players socially, obviously. Uh, I just go in there for, for interviews. It's It's... I, I've I've seen um, well I don't know what the right word is. I've seen less focused dressing rooms than than this one. Like I, I I've definitely covered teams inside and outside of the NHL who uh, have been less hopeful than the Oilers ha- have appeared to be. And I know Nathan didn't like Maroon's comments. And yeah, sometimes I wish the players would uh, maybe be a, a little blunter. But yeah, I don't. I don't. If 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 somebody has told somebody that there are clicks, I guess they've. I guess they they've told them. I don't know. I I will say this as an adult. I don't like all my coworkers. Quite frankly, there are people in this building that I would 
prefer not to see socially. But I damn well respect them as co-workers and do my best to be cohesive with them in the workplace. Then again, I'm a I'm a pretty good person deep down, right, Brian? Oh yeah, you are, Reed. <laughs> You're pretty good. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, you know, I I um I listen to all the games radio. Like if I'm at home, I'll turn off Bob and Jack and oh. listen to you and Rob. Okay. Right. And and the reason is because I I respect you and really respect Jack and Bob. And since Jack's come there. Bob and Jack have such a click. You know, one one day they're talking about what they eat for cereal and they're laughing and stuff like that. But funneling down this year, you just feel the tension in their voices between them. And it's just, it's it's almost disheartening to hear them because you can you can hear the dissatisfaction in their voices, right? And 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 I feel for you guys having to deal with this and that because you're no different than us. You're a fan just like us. And now you're seeing this and, and I just... I feel really, really hard for you guys too, right? Well, don't, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel bad for me, Brian. And and I and I, I don't think I'm a fan like you guys. And I'm not saying that to try to separate myself, but I don't. I don't spend money and my free time to watch the the team. My reaction is not as emotional as everybody, and I think it would be disrespectful of me to say that it is. I want them. I want them to win, but I, but it's a it's a different it's a different type of connection for me. Yeah, I, I appreciate you like saying that, that, though. No, but like me, like I'm an Oilers fan, true and true. But it's not like where I, because I'm on the road a lot. So you know, keeping me awake is Jack and Bob or you and Bob, right? You know, when you're driving long distance. But I won't go out of my way just to sit down and spend 90 minutes to watch a hockey game. You know, there's other things to do, right? I understand what you're saying there, right? And and the other thing too on that Hall of Fame thing. When you come down that freight elevator where you come from the meet on that long hallway through the loading dock, you hit security there before you go into the dressing room area. I've never seen anyone go into that Hall of Fame from a ticket holder. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not down there before the game. So I, I, I thought there was the occasional tour, but I don't know. The, the other gentleman says he's seen people in there. So. Oh, okay. Because I work on uh, I work on conversions, right? So I'm there after the game, changing stuff over, and I and I'll go in and get the flooring ready and that. And I've never seen any of the ticker holders go through there, so I don't I don't know, right? So, all right. Thanks, Brian. Okay, thanks, Reed. Bye. All right, got four guys left, and I do got a, a really cool guest coming up at seven oh five. So each guy's going to get a minute here, starting with Ross. Go ahead, Ross. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Yeah, doing well. Uh, good, good. So I was saying, um, a lot of us want our GM to be fired, but to be honest, when you go back to 2015, and if I had the resume of Shirelli, I would hire him on the spot because uh, to me, he seems like a, he knew how to win and he knew what to take, uh, like how to make a team into a championship team. But um, uh, but saying that, being an Oilers fan since 2006, uh, I'm I'm beyond disappointed this season. Like I have no words to say. When it comes down to that, but I think Shirelli has made some awful moves. And if anyone needs to be fired, it needs to be him because he lost a lot of trades and we can't afford to lose another one. So, and, and I also have a little opinion on this whole three crew and the locker room situation. And it starts in Winnipeg when Dry Tuttle got that black eye or the concussion that we, that I said. 
And I was, there's rumors that it was Nurse and Dry Subtle getting into a little fight. And a big, big Twitter went on when they got it together and sat beside each other on the plane back to Edmonton from a trip. And I was wondering if there's any truth to that and if, if, there's, a, if there's an actual tension going on between the players at this point. Want to hear your well, I've you. said before, I've heard uh, probably 20 rumors about how Dreisaitl got his black eye. Uh, I have had nothing confirmed by uh, the team. They've insisted that it happened in the game. I don't know for that. I couldn't find an incident where it looked like it happened. But again, if something happened between teammates, move on. And quite frankly, they'd played two terrible games before that happened, and signs of this malaise were already visible. Mike is on the line. Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you doing, Reed? Good. Just wanted to say, listening to you, I listen to you daily, and uh, everybody's phoning in talking about all these changes the Oilers made. Okay, the team that we had last year, besides uh, um, Eberle, is it pretty much not the same team? Well, Hendricks and Pouliot are gone. Uh, the backup goalie's now changed, uh, but yeah, a lot of guys are a lot of guys are here. Strom's come in. Obviously, he hasn't picked up a lot of scoring. Okay. Well, uh, during the playoffs, Everly was nowhere to be found. Now he's back. And he's in the island now, and he's doing pretty decent. But the team basically Pouliot did nothing in the playoffs. Pouliot has maybe two good games out of twenty. And then, but he really didn't play much. So the team was basically the same team that we that ended the playoffs last year to start the regular season. Besides, Everly, really, I think is that not a fair? Uh, yeah, I'm, but I I I, th- I think that the criticism of Shirelli is that he banked on some players who had never scored at the NHL level scoring, like Kajula and Slepashev. And even Puliyarvi, though he's starting to show signs of it, that that's where a lot of the criticism of Shirelli comes from, and not getting another defenseman, even though he wouldn't have been as good as Sekra. That's where the criticism is coming from. Okay, but on a whole, it's pretty much the same team, except for a couple of moving parts that are. Um, uh, Kajula had a pretty decent playoff. Um, yeah, he had a couple. Yeah, his good spurt for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so what do you? So what do you? I'll just let you wrap. What do you think, Mike? Do you think they got to stay the course, or do you think they got to make a big change? Honestly, my opinion. Uh, I'm not a big Peter Shirelli fan. Um, uh, it, it pissed me right off when he got rid of Hall, and yeah, he's made some bad calls. And it just seems like, well, you look at it. He's traded Blake Wheeler. He's traded traded Tyler Sagan, and he's traded Taylor Hall. Look at the look at the numbers of those three guys. Yep, no, that's yeah. a fair criticism, man. I, that's a fair criticism, Mike. I got to get another guy in, okay? I'll phone in another day. You take care. Thank you for my call. Yeah, appreciate it, Mike. We also have Jared on the line. Jared, go ahead. A quick comment, uh, and and about like the inside the Oilers dressing room, and you know, and teams that I've played with on in the past is the difference between a good and a bad team necessarily wasn't the talent. It was how tight the team was in the dressing room. And um, I think, and I mean, who knows what's going on in there, but, you know, jealousy, envy, all of these things are like normal human 
human emotions or whatever. So why would people think that athletes who have the biggest egos of all would be exempt from that? So for me, when I look at that team, and I think that it's basically the same team as last year, some teams have gotten better. But last night's game was, was you know, maybe the worst I've seen them play, uh, you know, in the last three years. Under McClellan, it was probably the worst game. It, it was the worst game. But you start to think, and I know some media guys say, well, no, it's not possible. But if you ask Rob, Rob Brown, there's problems. There's problems that you said in your workplace. People don't like each other. People are jealous. People don't like because this guy gets this amount of money. And that's something that maybe Tom McCullen can't manage. Maybe it's something that Peter Shirelli underestimated. And just one other comment with the others when I watched them, even in the game with the Vancouver and uh, the Las Vegas games, where they, they, at the beginning of the game, sometimes they look very rough. But the one thing is they are one of the worst passing and teams that can players that can receive passes or generating any kind of offense. They just continually make crude plays like off the glass, off the boards. And one comment about Milan Lucic. Yeah, quick, Jared. They go to him after the game and they say, Milan, you know, what do you, you know, what's the problem? Well, he's part of the problem. Like last night, he was one of the main reasons why they lost. He was god awful. So all of that type of stuff, I think, starts to factor in, Reed. Because people are looking at like who's really to blame and who are they going to for answers. All right, thanks, Jared. I got to get one more guy in here. Jim, go ahead. You got a minute, Jim. Good evening. How's everybody doing? I'll make it quick. Uh, I'm just like wanted to say that I'm an NHL fan. I love all the teams, and I my heart goes out to the Oilers fans and season ticket holders because year after year, the Oilers put out a pretty mediocre product. And I think Shirelli is going to be the fall guy. I don't know why Lowell, McTavish, Coffee, all the Oilers alumni, I uh, think they're going to osmosis teach these guys to play hockey. I think the Oilers, i.e. Daryl Cates, has to show more respect to the season ticket holders and say, i got to make wholesale changes from the top down. And that's the only hope I see for the Oilers. In other words, the last 20 years, look at their record. It speaks for itself. Okay, thanks, Jim. We'll talk to you again. Just quickly on the text line, a couple people have texted in. I'll read Pistol Pete's. It kind of sums it up. He goes, season ticket holders get randomly chosen to go on a tour through that Hall of Fame room. That is from Pistol Pete. All right, great calls. Appreciate it. You're going to meet a young hockey prodigy when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.